Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Pipeline Superheroes podcast, where we interview SaaS CEO, founders, operators, go-to-market folks, and everybody that's in charge of growing B2B SaaS companies. Today, we have Greg Tapper, and hosted as always by myself, Grant Cohen, and Keegan Slattery. Hey there. Greg, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you, Grant. Thank you, Keegan. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Well, let's jump right into it. Tell us about Pattern AI, how you came up with this idea, and what really inspired you to start this company. So first of all, thanks for having me. And uh, I apologize again for my voice being a little bit hoarse. I just got over that cold that's going around. Uh, it's great to be on the show. So we started, I, I was a um, senior consultant and go-to-market uh, expert at McKinsey & Company here in Silicon Valley, um, maybe about five years ago or so. And, you know, my, my role was to advise large tech companies, any company really, but my specialization was uh, in tech because that's where my uh, background is and help those companies grow faster through go-to-market strategies. And one of the things we were using was machine learning. And this is, you know, an AI. And this is going back, you know, five years. Uh, we started the company in January 20, uh, 2020. So we're just over three years old now. So back when I was at McKinsey, we were helping clients with their strategies. And there's just this light bulb moment where I was working with the data scientists who don't know a lot about go-to-market strategy. And I was a go-to-market consultant at the time and wasn't deep on you know, AI and machine learning, which uh, you know, back then still was very, very uh, cutting edge and nobody knew about it except for data scientists and so on. Data scientists know about go-to-market. Go-to-market people don't know about uh, data science, we got together, started delivering impact for clients. And I was like, wow, this is like huge. And just about the same time, I was on vacation with a bunch of friends of mine who were a little bit older, farther down their careers, you know, billionaires and people like that. And we're all sitting around in the morning talking about what we're doing. They said, hey, what are you working on? And I said, I'm working on, you know, using machine learning and AI for, you know, go to market strategies. And they said, wow, that sounds really cool. Why don't you quit your job, McKinsey, and go turn that into a company? We'll back you. I was like, that sounds pretty cool. And then, uh, and then they did. And, you know, when the investors, you know, uh, put a million dollars into it and uh, called me up and said, you know, let's start this thing. And so we started that. And then kind of fast forward and we've really gone into the premise was, you know, if you can just give some machine, some super intelligent machine, a robot, if you will, all of your data. And if it could analyze that data, imagine if it could just do that for you. And then now we're very deep on conversational AI, which we've been doing now for two and a half years. And uh, and now we just have this robot called Pattern. You see it here on the on the podcast. Pattern sits, it goes with me everywhere. It's on my calls with me. Um, and it basically analyzes everything I do. It can provide those insights. So that's where we are today. Very cool. That's interesting. It went from you know overall go-to-market strategy. What was the thing that made like conversational AI the most interesting and compelling part of that to start building out a product that focuses on you know, conversational note-taking and things like that? Like what was the switch from large, you know, higher level go-to-market into this particular field of AI? That is such a great question because that was kind of a pivotal moment in our journey. And, it, you know, as an entrepreneur, you know, you have to be deterministic and sort of say, this is where we're going and free will and all that kind of stuff. But you also have to be opportunistic and say, you know, what's the market telling you? Because as I always say, you know, your, your toes are kind of hanging off the edge of the universe. It's just kind of black in front of you. You really... This is my second company. I built a two-time Inc. 5000 company before this. But 
you know, you really don't get a lot of signal from the market, especially as an early company. People are like, oh, you don't get user feedback because you don't have users. You don't get, you know, all that. So you just kind of listen for these little signals. Well, we started going into these sales conversations saying, hey, check this out. You can plug in your Salesforce instance and this, you know, super intelligent machine called Pattern will just analyze it for you and do your ICP analysis and customer segmentation. And we have, you know, enterprises still using that today, which is really pretty cool. But we go into these conversations and people say, that sounds really great, but my first priority now is we're having all these sales conversations and this is 2020 pandemic starting. I can't see what people are saying. Can this robot you're talking about, can it start to analyze our conversation? I can see what reps are saying on calls. Can I see patterns in conversations? And so when people start asking about B, when you're trying to sell them A, you're like, hey, let's look at that B. But because we had this really robust data engineering infrastructure built, we were able to take not just Salesforce data, run it through our data pipelines, but now you could just take meeting data and conversations and run them through our pipeline. And you can start to apply machine learning to that. And then that's where we ended up with our advanced insights. So even if people are using, you know, note takers like Gong or Chorus or others who are in some ways competitors to ours, or even just hitting the record button on Zoom, that they will come to us and say, hey, we have, we have a client right now, they got 17,000 Gong conversations. They're like, hey, can you please analyze these? because we can't get those insights. And we heard enough of that. And we were, you know, fortunately wise enough and smart enough to listen. And the more kind of deeply went down that path of conversational AI and identifying patterns of conversations, the more it resonated with people, the better the product got. And the more people kept saying, we want more of that. And so now we've, we've gone very deep on that. <clears throat> yeah, I've, I've actually delved into this a fair amount, looking at a lot of these platforms and also some of the insights. They say, especially on sales calls, it's best not to monologue, you know, really be more of a listener if you're the sales, uh, you know, individual saying like, okay, like understanding their problems and really let the customer do the talking, which is, you know, example of an insight that, you know, while is like not like groundbreaking is maybe slightly unconventional to people who maybe feel that they need to come on and do a long pitch or whatever it may be. So curious, what other insights that you've seen that might be, you know, break uh, common thinking uh, through like the insights through your platform so far? Geez, you guys are really prepared. Yeah, these are great questions. Um, so listening is, is uh, it's like something I'd like to get better at. I'm a better talker than a listener. So I, I do really well with people who listen. Um, I don't know that that's true. So we had a client who has, you know, 71,000 conversations recorded from all their Zoom calls, 71,000. And they can't see that. And they said, hey, we're hearing from some of these, you know, conversation AI companies that we need to have reps listen more. There needs to be this so-called patience factor, you know, where the rep doesn't respond right away. So we gave all this data to pattern, we analyzed it, and it turned out that, that the reps who actually talk more sell more that the reps actually who are not patient, we found the inverse, that the reps who are actually kind of jump into the conversation, say, wait a minute, let me ask you about that, or, or the challenger type conversation, those reps are actually selling, closing more deals and they're selling more and went completely against the grain of that. Uh, we started analyzing conversations like emails where you give a bunch of, you know, literally 30,000, you know, um, outreach sequences to pattern. And we have this company that has 30,000 uh, sequences and said, analyze these. And we found that the longer the subject line that over seven words was actually better than like three. And they said, this is crazy because on LinkedIn, we always hear, you know, two or three words in subject line. And we just did the machine learning analysis on it and saw that it was actually more like seven. There was a direct correlation. The more words in the subject line, the more they convert, the more words in the body, the more they convert. And then third and finally, there's also these hidden patterns, hence the name of the company, Pattern AI. By the way, it's getpattern.ai, not pattern.ai. 
can't buy that. You, you can't call yourself an entrepreneur if somebody doesn't have some domain name that you want. So anyway, it's get yeah, pattern. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But they're hidden patterns in conversations where are the topics that Grant's talking about. So I could take all your podcasts and within 30 minutes, I could analyze that and say, these are the, the five questions that Grant and Keegan always ask. And, and pattern can do that in, in minutes. Right. And sales leaders and marketing people want to know that, hey, what are clients asking us? Are they, are they talking about support? Are they talking about pricing? And you can really see those patterns come out. And that's uh, really what we do. So the hidden patterns are really, really actually probably the really big thing that subject lines and things like that's interesting. But when you can really see what people are saying, you can start tailoring, tailoring your messaging to that. And that's where AI just really, especially pattern AI, uh, the way we've developed it really comes into, uh, you know, to shine. That immediately gives me an idea because we've been doing these podcasts and, you know, whenever folks are doing a lot of podcasts, a lot of times you want to pull out different clips and things like that, but it's hard to go back later and find all those. And it's a very manual process. So my mind instantly goes like, oh, could you analyze all podcasts and mark where certain questions happen consistently? So you can put together answers that are similar from similar questions all throughout in one big video. That's funny. That's where my brain went right off the bat. I was like, oh, that's not like a perfect use for that. That's literally what we do, but I think I've already <laughs> offered you a free license for, uh, for, uh, for you to use so you can uh, oh, now you said it during the recorded part yeah <laughs> can't wait to delve in there <laughs> yeah so so i'm curious um you know since you used to do you know mckinsey go-to-market strategy what mm -hmm. has your go-to-market strategy been so far with get pattern ai um what have you guys really focused on for your growth it sounds like you all you already have a really robust network which is a great place to start um mm -hmm. but what else have you been doing in terms of your growth strategy here for for pattern ai so another great question, I, I think, and that kind of gets to the heart of, you know, I've been on, on a number of these podcasts and I would say, you know, what's your advice to, you know, younger, newer entrepreneurs? And my advice is always the same. It's actually career advice for anybody cares to listen. But two decades later, I kind of learned it. Maybe I wish I'd learned this earlier on, which is build relationships with people because it's, you know, where my career is at this point, you know, two decades in the Valley here and just building relations. I'm a sociable person. I love meeting people. I get caught with people. It's, you know, I'm, as I tell my kids, like I'm two phone calls away from pretty much anybody in the Valley, right? And I, I say that humbly because I've built really good, meaningful relationships. So my first personal go-to-market strategy is just calling on the relationships with people I know and saying, hey, Keegan, you know, I know you're doing this new thing now. You got this podcast. I love you on your podcast, right? Calling up a CEO of some company or a VP sales and saying, hey, just test this out. Won't charge you for it. Just see what it's like and get your feedback on it. Being able to call into relationships is probably the number one factor in getting early traction for any startup. And I just cannot overemphasize that for, for anything, really, not just sales. It's good. That's number one. Number two is, so and I get probably, you know, five emails, 10, 20 emails a week from somebody saying, hey, we're going to, you know, do your outbound sales for you or, or whatever. And, you know, some guy called me up, Cole called me. I read all my emails. Some of them resonate, some of them don't. But if I'm looking for something at the moment, do that guy called me up and said, Hey, we're gonna do your, your uh, LinkedIn campaigns for you and go to market campaigns does that for us. We've been working for a year. They do a great job. We do cold, cold outbound emails. They work well. And then third, uh, you know, we've experimented with hiring outsourced salespeople. There's just no replacement for a CEO or somebody getting on the phone and saying, Hey, Keegan, let's catch up, get coffee, beers on me, whatever. And let's talk about what I'm doing. And if it's interesting, then we can chat. Um, we're not yet at the stage where we have the infrastructure to build out that entire go-to-market machinery, but we're getting a lot of interest from venture capitalists right now. And so we're, you know, looking at raising some more money 
uh, to start to build that out because I know that that's what we'll need. Is having done that for many years, I know what that infrastructure looks like. But that's probably the next step is that more formal, rote, classic go-to-market sales and marketing type infrastructure. For sure, really exciting stuff. Um, also curious, like what your vision is in terms of both growth and the product, because you know, with any like real data-based company, like the value add. Um, becomes more clear over time, of course, but there's also, like I was asking you about unconventional insights earlier, like there's probably a lot of other, like, in, you know, applications of the data and the algorithm that you hadn't maybe originally thought about, but, you know, either, you know, a customer or someone on your team has been able to experiment with. Right. So data is a really fascinating topic. Uh, the data that we have is, is really privileged data. And it's in our DNA, of course, we came from McKinsey. So, you know, we used to work with the most sensitive data of Fortune 500 companies. And so it's kind of in our DNA, but it's a slippery topic. And, you know, I posted some stuff on LinkedIn about this. I do get concerned about a lot of these, you know, so-called AI companies that are 60 days old. And trust me, we've put three and a half million dollars and three plus years of work in a building out a very uh, pure play AI company. And, and I can... Um, faithfully report to you, it's very, very hard to build an AI company in 60 days or 90 days, right? And hey, by the way, where were all these companies before OpenAI made it abundantly clear that AI is really a big thing? What, you know, when we were pounding the table three years ago, part of that, these newcomers to the market is in the rush to build, you know, so-called AI company and kind of get a bunch of data from people. You know, that data is, is you know, you see on my LinkedIn post, but like robots never forget. And you have to be very, this isn't a record in a database, right? You know, Grant can call me up and say, hey, wait, didn't want to say that. Can you please delete that tweet or delete that whatever post or anything? You can't do that, certainly not very easily in AI models. It's very, very hard, probably almost impossible to extract out something that Grant said or did some time ago. And so, you know, you have to be very careful about how you use that data. And so we are, you know, we're SOC 2 compliant and all these kinds of things, but more importantly, our culture is one where uh, we're very, very careful with how we manage data. And, and that's one of the, the key things you have to be uh, super focused on. The second thing is then once you have that data, it's not about using your data to be valuable to somebody else. It's about using your data to be valuable to Grant or to use Keegan's data to be valuable to Grant. Or if you both come together and say, hey, our podcast is you know the pipeline podcast that we're talking about or go-to-market focus that we have you know, we have lots of go-to-market topics. We want to get smart on our collective data because we're a team, uh, we're an enterprise, then, but that's your data. And so our perspective is pretty clear. Your data is your data. And if you said, hey, we don't want to use pattern A anymore, we just hit the delete button and it's gone. It doesn't sit in somebody else's model. Uh, but the more that you entrust us with your data, the more data you give us, then the more you're just going to be smart on your data. And it And it's without revealing too much, I can just tell you that some of the insights that we're getting with the data are just, uh, you know, 20 years of being in the valley here, I can tell you, it's pretty unbelievable. I never seen, never seen anything like it. I'm super excited. So is that is that kind of an, inter that's an interesting topic just on AI in general, is that you do need to be careful with the inputs that you give, like you said, because they don't go away. Um, I'm curious what you, what you think that means overall for like AI as an industry and the fact that everyone's so excited to pump and push data into all these models, you know, is there kind of a, and this is more industry-based, not necessarily for pattern, but um, you know, is, is there sort of a cautionary tale about pushing too much data into a model because, like you said, they don't forget and it could skew things and make things go the wrong way? I'm, I'm kind of curious your opinion on that. 
Well, so there's the skewing things and things going the wrong way. There's there's that whole topic, and there's you know there's, I have some deep perspectives on that. There's also just what did Keegan say that he doesn't want anybody else to know about, right? And and there is a cautionary mm -hmm. tale. I can tell you internally when we first launched this, and we started giving pattern, you know transcripts of conversations to analyze and like, you know, every comment that I would make was suddenly, you could say, what did Greg say last week? And somebody would do this like in a big team demo, we're all sitting on Zoom and somebody's like, what did Greg say? And I'm like, holy smokes. So if I started mentioning about some compensation for somebody or some this or that, that stuff sits in a model that somebody can just ask a query to. We know from ChatGPT, we've been working with OpenAI for, over two years now, back when they were still solving the Rubik's Cube is 50% of their business, right? So we've gotten really deep on large language models. And I can tell you that deep in those models, it's all just formulas, that those formulas just, you, they don't get erased. And so like, you'd see this transcript pop up and like there are Greg's comments about something. And so somebody said on a product team, we should probably be pretty careful about what we query when uh, you know when we start doing these things in public demos, and so the, the cautionary tale is, we start ourselves. You have to be careful about how you expose data to people, and that's why we have a very clear perspective. Keegan's robot is Keegan's robot, and Grant cannot see what Keegan says unless Keegan explicitly shares that. And I don't think you'd want to go to the playground and tell the kid who tells everybody everything, you know, uh, all your secrets. And that's really what these AI models can do, because deep in you, you know this. You can ask ChatGPT anything because technically it's scraped the entire internet and more. And how does it tell you that? Because deep in those models, you can literally just say, what did somebody say? Uh, it'll tell you, if you probe it enough, it'll tell you what's inside the model. And smart people, hackers especially, there's a whole thing about hackers doing that. I get very concerned about this. And I, I just caution buyers of AI to be, and, and smart ones, you know, JP Morgan said, Microsoft itself said, don't use ChatGPT, right? Just buyers should be aware of who is getting their data and what exactly they're doing it. We had somebody call us up and say, hey, we're, we want to work with you because we tested all these companies that do conversational AI. We read all the, the privacy policies and you had the best ones. So we want to work with you. And I was like, that was maybe like two weeks ago. I said, I've never won a deal because of our privacy policy, but I'm glad we had it public. So it's on our website. They liked it and they became a customer. Yeah, it's the first I've heard of that. It's a great question. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that's a great question. It, it is. There's a. There will be lots of cautionary tales we're going to hear over and over. Unfortunately, uh, at somebody's expense. But I, I, I do caution proactively people to think about that because robots never forget. As I always say, it's something to keep in mind. Absolutely, and and I always tell Keegan that the Alexa sitting on his desk is recording him anyway. And I've, <laughs> Amazon won't respond to my emails to listen to what he says about me. But you know, it is what it is. Um, <laughs> I'm also the other part of like a lot of the of the package and recording is, and especially for the context of folks that are, you know, employing account executives and SDRs and the like, is there's the coaching and there's like the listening back in. At, at, at first, it's very much like, you know, uh, nails on a chalkboard to hear your own voice and to get live feedback. Um, and to your point about like opting in, I wonder how you think about that because, you know, I think it's really an opportunity for those who are really growth-minded and want to, are, are focused on improving to have a platform and to have the data to really invest in that. But at the same time, not everybody really has the um, appetite for that as well. Yeah, well, uh, you both look of age. So you remember back when like Facebook came out and people were like, there's no way that people are gonna share pictures of, you know, birthday parties and, you know, intimate, you know, dinners or whatever, you know, everything. And guess what? 
it's the only way people talk today is they share through pictures and you see, you know, all manner of things on the internet for, you know, what people share on Instagram and my kids, you're like, Hey, you know, be careful because it's just stuff like, you know, if you go to a birthday party and you share something, it's like, is that private? Yeah. Because somebody didn't get invited to that birthday party. Then somebody else gets mad. Is that some scandalous thing, you know, sharing a birthday party picture? No, until somebody didn't get invited. So there are lots of implications that we don't think about. Of course, as you know, we have kids now, if you have kids, you tell them, hey, you're going to this party, don't take pictures and share those because some people didn't get invited to that party or whatever. Uh, Uber was the same where people said, nobody's going to jump into a car with a stranger. People have learned, you know, people have been killed in Ubers, right? There have been some bad things that have happened. But in general, it's ended up being a really safe and amazing you know, transformation how we get transportation. And so the same thing now with, uh, we believe with, you know, recording and capturing your conversations. There's a there's a whole bunch of people who are going to say, well, I don't want you know this call recorded, or I don't you know I don't like hearing my own voice, or I don't want to be coached, or whatever. The reality is the tailwind is at our backs. I think the things are just going to be more on the record. But the net benefit is like Uber, it's like you know social media where you stay connected more with people because of it. The net benefit will be the insights you get from your conversations, the ability to load in a hundred podcasts and listen to those and see. I see, for example, I track talk time. You can see from my responses, I, I tend to talk a lot because I'm an extrovert. I think out loud, but I look closely at my talk time. It's typically 60 to 65% of a meeting. And I do try to keep that below 60. My customer conversations, it drops down to like 20 or 30 because I'm listening a lot in those customer conversations. It, that feedback is really valuable. I would never have had that if it weren't for a platform like Pattern AI saying, you talked 89% of that three-hour meeting. You, you talked 220 minutes of that. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for the feedback. It's really helpful. Yeah. Awesome. Are there other yeah. areas that you've, that you found are really good for coaching? Like, have you had a chance to maybe like look at calls with your team and things like that? And what are some of those other coachable aspects that you found, you know, you're able to pull out of there to tell someone, Hey, here's ways that you can improve the way you're on calls with investors or with clients or whatever it might be. Right. So one big area is they're kind of two big ones, the topics and the questions. First one is, are you covering the topics that we think matter, right? So if if privacy is an important issue for XYZ software that we're selling, then how much is that rep talking about privacy? So we do topic analysis and you can see it very visually. How much did Keegan talk about privacy and data security and you know SOC 2 and, and all these things? And if we don't see those topics come up, then we know you're not hitting the very points that we think customers you know, and buyers of our software really care about. Conversely, our customers talking about that. So let's get coaching. Are you asking the questions that make customers talk about privacy or, or things like that? So we can start to do topic analysis. And the second thing then is questions, which is, so what questions are customers asking? We really want to see that. Uh, are you asking them questions that make them ask more questions? We know the questions draw people into conversations. And so are these reps able to increase the talk time of customers by asking them probing and, and challenging and interesting questions. And I think topics and questions are two areas where you can have a lot of impact and, and do self-coaching and also do uh, other coaching. But there are lots of things. Risks is a, is a third category. I was just on a call with the sales leader just before this podcast. And he says, hey, could you identify the risks in a conversation for me? And so how is a rep dealing with that topic or what are the customers asking about? The bigger picture is that the AI can really identify the patterns in calls if you know how to work it in the right way. And uh, and that topic you're asking about is just going to go, it's just going to explode. The, the, the kinds of insights that people are going to get from Conversation AI 
is, uh, and I know because we do it every single day for people, is it's pretty extraordinary. Excellent. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Greg. A lot of really interesting nuance there. And we're excited for our free licenses of Pattern AI. We have you recorded saying that um, in your Pattern AI, nonetheless. So we're really excited about that. But in all seriousness, uh, thank you so much. And if there's anything else you'd like to promote or folks you're looking for in our audience, uh, now's your time. Okay, well, uh, I'll do you guys a solid just for uh, having me on the show. Thank you. I really enjoy this, and I'd, I'd love to catch up again soon. We'll offer any of your your uh, your listeners a 20% discount on our software. Nice. So if they want to use it, just let us know that you heard it on the uh, the Grant and Keegan uh, show, and uh, and we'll give you uh, a 20% discount. And, you know, look, if you have any questions, you want to reach out to me, reach out to me. It's tapper at getpattern.ai. Not afraid to share my email. I get tons of emails anyway, so... Uh, if you have something that uh, you think that I should be interested in or you want to chat, uh, I'm always happy to chat. I'm very opportunistic. I've developed relationships with people. I'd love to chat. So feel free to reach out to me anytime and uh, and look forward to chatting. Love to be on your show again. Thanks, Greg. Thanks, Thanks so awesome. much.